0: Well, I've been doing a series on on healing, and I want to continue on this this morning. And I want to just look this morning at basically, you know, sometimes there's a blockage to healing. There's something that gets in the way, there's something that causes that healing not to come. And one of those areas is offences, offences. And... You know, offenses are going to come. Jesus was very clear. And Jesus made it 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 clear that's that, that it is impossible to live in this world and not have the opportunity to become offended. We see that in Matthew eighteen and verse seven. Matthew eighteen and verse seven. Offences are going to come. And and Jesus repeats repeats it again in Luke's Gospel seventeen in verse 1, he said, you know, offences, you know, it is impossible, but that offences will come. So we to all, all of us, uh, you know, there'll be times when we are offended by something. And, you know, what is our attitude going to be? What is our reaction going to be? How are we going to handle it? And it's impossible to live in this world and not have the opportunity to become offended. And the Greek word there for for offense, it's the Greek word, scandalon, scandalon, and it's the thought of you know a stumbling block, a stumbling block. You know, many people they go on for a while, but then some stumbling block happens, and you know then they stop serving the Lord. Or they, go somewhere else, and they're offended. And it's a stumbling block. And this word, scandalon originally referred to part of the trap to which the bait was attached, to get bait to catch a bird or catch an animal. And if we don't deal with, a, with an offense you know, in our life, then if we don't deal with an offense in our life, it will produce more sin. And that offence can lead to bitterness. It can lead to unforgiveness. It can lead to anger. It can lead to envy. It It can lead to resentment. And when Jesus was speaking about his second coming, in Matthew chapter 24, that's the main chapter, from the lips of Jesus himself, about his second coming. And Jesus said in verse 10, he said, many, many shall be offended. And he's speaking about the last days. He's speaking about our time. He's speaking about the time just before the second coming of the Lord. And he says, many, many shall be offended. Many shall be offended. And sometimes if there's an offense and we don't deal with that offense, And you put things right, then often that's like a blockage, a blockage, to the healing that we're seeking after. There was a. I remember, Pastor Yongi Cho. He came when, when he was in New Zealand one time, and he was sharing this this testimony, and there was this sister in the church that you know she'd been she'd been offended, and. She really reacted to that offence. And she was a very, very, very pretty lady. But what had happened is her face had become partially paralysed. And so instead of looking very pretty, she looked quite ugly. And anyway, the pastor, he prayed for her many times. Many times he prayed for her. She would come for healing, and he prayed for her. But she did not get healed. And then the visiting speakers would come and they would pray they would pray for her but she did not get healed there was no healing and uh, and then he had a he had a word of knowledge and and he asked one time he asked her uh, you know do you do you have you been offended do you hate anyone and and she said yes yes i i hate my mother in law i hate my father in law because she'd been living with them uh, and 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 they'd been very nasty. They'd been very cruel to her, and she said. So he talked to her. He talked to her about forgiveness, and he said, uh, "You know, was she willing to forgive them?" Uh, as he prayed for forgiveness, and then as as Pastor Cho was leading her, leading this Korean lady in a prayer uh, of repentance for her hatred and and. Uh, just as she was praying, and, and she said those words, you know, I forgive, I forgive, my father-in-law, forgive my mother-in-law, because of what they what what they have done. And as he was actually praying, in fact, he prayed with his eyes open. And when he was praying, right in front of his eyes, I mean, it was an instant instant miracle, and that all that para- paralysis and all the effects on her face, it just instantly went away. And she was, you know, perfectly normal, and just, you know, like she was before, and you know, amazing. And she was immediately healed, you know, when she forgave. When she forgave, you know, those those she hated, and so sometimes offenses, some offense in some way, you know, can be can be a can be a blockage to healing if we do not, you know, deal with it and and. Uh, you know have it have you know see it released from our life now another bl- another blockage another bl- a blockage could be just not not requesting he prayer for healing not asking to be prayed for and you know that could end up being being a blockage and in in James f- 5 in verse in fact, often often God has healed people who are unsaved very readily, and often it's harder pra- for praying for believers than, than unbelievers, and, you know, we, we saw that, you know, when we were in India, um, but in James 5, where it's speaking about healing, and it's speaking specifically about praying for believers who love the Lord for healing, and in James 5, there's... A few verses on healing there. And in James 5, 14 and then 15 and the first part of verse 16, it says, is any, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. And then it says, verse 16, Confess your faults one to another. You've got to be careful who you who you do it to, but there is a place amongst believers to confess our faults one to another, and then pray one for another, that you may be healed. And you know, some people. There's not too much humility there, and they may be too proud to request prayer for healing, or, or or go for prayer. And then in verse sixteen, that, that part in verse sixteen, it says, "Confess your faults one to another, and particularly, you know, someone that you may have injured, you may have wounded by maybe something you've spoken, some action you've done." And three common problems are, you know, pride, and of course, the opposite of pride is humility. And at times, we have to humble ourselves. You know, people people you know, cry out to the Lord, "Well, Lord, you humble me," but in the Scripture, often it says we must humble ourselves. God can humiliate us, but we are to be the ones to humble ourselves. So, and James says, you know, humble yourselves, humble yourself, confess our faults. And another problem which can often be there is that we're too centered on ourselves, self-centeredness. And you know, as even as believers, we can easily become, if we're not careful, very selfish. And then, of course, if we don't forgive those who have hurt us, those who have who've wronged us, and, and you know, God will allow people to hurt you. God will allow people to, wrong, to, to do wrong things against you. And God will particularly set it up, and he'll allow it to see how you're going to react, what your response is going to be, and are you going to you know, willingly forgive? And because unforgiveness if there's unforgiveness, again, that is something that can block healing. Now, sometimes this is the case, but be very careful, don't judge others, because there's many people who have not sinned at all, in fact, as I've said before, who are and who are living very godly lives and yet there is there is sickness there. And you know the we don't comprehend everything about divine healing, but we know that the name one of the names of the Lord is Jehovah Rapha. I am I am the Lord your healer. I am the Lord your doctor. And uh, but nevertheless, things like things like pride, self-centeredness, unforgiveness, in certain cases, they can block the healing flow and block the the the, the, the flow of healing. And you know we're crying out, we're praying that God will. Release streams of healing streams of healing, streams of healing, and you know we thank God maybe one or two cases, but we haven't seen it yet we haven't seen it yet, but you know what are we going to do we get are we going to press in press in like that woman who pressed in to touch the hem of the garment of Jesus, and you know we must continue to to press in and to seek God you know until those healing streams, you know, begin to flow. And I believe with all my heart, all my heart and all my being, yes, they will flow. They will flow. They are coming. They're coming. They're coming. And then back in James 5 and verse 16, it says, "Pray, Pray one for another, pray one for another that you may be healed. And so notice when it says pray one for another, You pray, in other words, the sick person, the sick person pray for someone else, that you, so that you, who are the sick one, may be healed. And, you know, this verse is saying, basically this verse is saying, get concerned, don't just be all concerned about yourself and your need and your problems and your sickness, but Be concerned for someone else and pray for someone else. See how you can help somebody else. Get concerned about the need of somebody else. And not only will they be healed, but you, God willing, will be healed yourself. And we all know the... the, Sickness of Job. I mean, Job. I mean, when you read the book of Job, I mean, poor guy. I mean, I mean, imagine that—just boiled from the top of your head to the sole of your feet—and you know, tremendous pain and pus oozing out. And I mean, and it—it wasn't just a—it wasn't just a little trial. I mean, it was a major trial. It went on for months, possibly at least six months, possibly a year, maybe even longer we don't know exactly but i mean that was a it was an incredible trial, uh, trial and and yet you know job was a righteous man he it says about job in chapter 1 he was blameless he was blameless and he was full of good works and full of good deeds and and then you know had all these count these counselors three counselors they came and you know they were terrible counselors i mean basically they said well you know, the reason that he's got all these boils and, and this terrible pain and, and everything else is because of his faults, because of his sins, because of the sins he's committed. And they were totally wrong. Totally wrong. And, but, you know, God allowed Satan to afflict, afflict Job. And, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a, a, a pretty tough trial. But at the end, when God came on the scene, after many rounds of counselling and the counsellors going turn by turn and then having a second go and then having a third time. But at the end of that, Job, he prayed for his friends, his counsellor friends, who had misunderstood him and who judged him wrongly. And this helped Job gain, you know, gain freedom from bitterness. You know, His friends had counseled him, as I mentioned, that he was, he was sick because he'd sinned, which was totally untrue. But God turned Job's captivity, or he turned Job's trial. He, he turned it. He turned Job's captivity. In other words, he healed Job after he prayed for his friends. He prayed for his friends. And so, with Job, even though they'd shared a whole lot of hot ear and, and ungodly counsel, you know, he could, have, he, could have, he could have had bitterness and hatred and unforgiveness welling up because, because they said those things which were, were totally wrong. But no, was, his heart was, was right. He was willing to forgive them. He was willing to to, to love them. And so and he's willing to pray for them. And when he prayed for his friends, when God told him to pray for his friends, his counselors who'd come, you know, that is the time when Job received his healing. So he was praying for somebody else, and at that time he received his healing. When he prayed for his friends, so forgiveness is an is an act of our will, you know, not of feelings. And when Job was healed, he was not only physically healed, but in in every way, you know, Job was healed. He was healed, you know, with his relationships, with his wife. You know, his wife had said to him, "Well, you just curse God and die. Terrible." thing that she said she was no help meet to him but you know that was all he forgave her he, he forgave her he loved her and all the relationships were healed with his wife the relationship was healed with those council of friends The relationships were healed with his relatives family and God put, bestowed much honour on Job in fact he was I mean he was incredibly wealthy to begin with, with camels and sheep, and donkeys and asses, and, and but in the end, he received twice as much as he had in the beginning. And so, even though even though Job was a sick one, he prayed for them. And in doing so, he himself was healed. He himself was healed. And Another another area which can be an obstacle can he- be an obstacle to healing, which we've tuss- touched on a little bit, but I want to touch a bit more this morning, is in the area of faith. If there's a if there's a lack of faith, if we don't don't really believe, and if the faith faith level is low or a lack of faith, then you know that is an obstacle. That that can be an obstacle to us to receiving. Receiving healing from the Lord, and if there's a lack of faith, it can it can block God's healing virtue. Now remember, faith is not an emotion; it's not just a product of our will, of our will, our making a decision. It's it's not a product of our mind or our intellect. You know. We, we can't just grit our teeth and clench our fists and, and try to work it up. No. Faith is from God. Faith is divine. Faith is something you know, we receive from God. And the scripture tells us, familiar scripture, Hebrews 11 verse 1, Now faith is the substance. Faith is the substance. You know, faith is substance. It is the assurance. It's like, the, it's like the, the confirmation, the title deed of things hoped for. It is the evidence, the evidence or proof of things not seen. So here, Paul says about faith. Faith is a substance. Faith is a substance. Now, substance is something that's it's tangible. When you have it, you know you've got it. And faith is perceiving as real fact what is, what is not revealed to the senses. In fact, f- faith relates not to what we can see, but it relates to the unseen. Faith relate, relates to the invisible. Invisible. And you know, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Luke 17 verse 5, That, Lord, increase our faith. Lord, increase our faith. And that is a good prayer for all of us to pray. Lord, increase my faith. Increase my faith. And the Bible speaks about little faith. And Jesus had to rebuke the disciples, "Oh ye of little faith. And there's greater faith and greater faith. And Jesus spoke to the Roman centurion who just said to Jesus, Lord, just speak the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus spoke about that man. He said, of great faith, great faith. So, you know, there's levels. Little faith, but more faith. Ordinary faith, above ordinary faith, higher faith. You know, great faith. Exceeding great faith. And so, you know, what level are we at? Romans 10, verse 17, another familiar scripture. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God or hearing by a rhema, a rhema from God. And uh, it's a a personal word, a quickened word. You know, a rhema from God to our own hearts. And as as we are continually reading and meditating and studying on the Word of God, you know, our faith will grow, our faith will grow, our faith will develop. And so have a hunger, have a thirst. Cry out to God that you'll have a hunger and a thirst for God's word. Fill your heart, fill your mind, fill your whole being with the word of God. And faith will increase. Faith Will grow. There's this lady from, from Wales and she had a cancer on her face and you know God gave her, God gave her James 5. Request the elders, ask them to anoint with oil and the prayer of faith will raise up the sick one. And so She requested the elders to pray for her to anoint her with oil. And she said, you know, and so they did that. They anointed her with oil. And she had that rhema from God. And she said, you know, thank you. And she declared out, I am healed. Now, it's good to do that, but you've got to make sure you've heard from God and it's a rhema from the Lord. But you know, she felt she had that rahma from the Lord, that, that personal word, God speaking to her in her heart, and she so she proclaimed out, she said, Thank you, I am healed. And then she went and, and you know, she told her family that that she was healed. But then her family said to her, No, you're not healed. The cancer's still on your face. And they said, Mom, go and look in the mirror. Your cancer's still in the face. Your, your, your cancer is still on your face. And she said, then she said, she made this comment. And she said, the mirror is a liar. The mirror is a liar. But the word of God is true. And anyway, several days went by, and the cancer was still visible right on her face. And then one day, one day, her daughter cried out. She cried out, Mom! You're healed. The cancer's gone. And she said, now the mirrors can come back. They tell the truth. And she was completely healed, completely healed. Six months went by after that healing. Six months went by. And suddenly one morning, she looked in the mirror and that cancer had returned again on a face. And. But God had placed. God had placed. His faith. His faith. God's faith. In her heart. And so she spoke out. Out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. And she spoke out. She said. Satan. You are a liar. And then she looked back in the mirror. And immediately. You know. The cancer was gone. And. There's a thought There. There's power in what we say. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And, you know, when God gives us a rhema, you know, a personal quickened word to our hearts, you know, we are to speak what God says. And with faith, too, there's always the testing of our faith. There's always the testing of our faith. There's always the the tri- the testing of our faith. There's always the trial of our faith. And... One time, I was in Indonesia. It was, I think, it was August 2004, and my wife and I, we were in in, in Indonesia. I was in the capital city, city Jakarta. I was teaching at a Bible school there each morning, and then I was asked, I was asked to if I would go and pray for a guy in the hospital, and he had, he was dying, and he had AIDS. He was just a young guy, just in. His, Early early twenties, I think he was. His name was Richard. So anyway, they took us to this hospital in Jakarta, and we went up and went to the cancer ward, and 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 he was there in hospital, this young man, and he was dying from AIDS, and we visited him. So I shared with him about Jesus. Went over the gospel with him. Asked him, you know, if he. Like to receive Christ into his heart as a Savior and Lord, and was he truly repentant and so on? And anyway, he said yes, and we prayed with him. And he prayed a simple prayer, just turning from his sin, inviting Jesus into his heart as the Savior and Lord. And you know, he was very thin, and you know, it was just, just you could see, it was just a matter of time before he died. And, and you know, but it was a real privilege. To, and I remember when I was praying. I remember when I was praying. I really sensed. I mean, sometimes you pray and, you know, you don't sense too much. But there was a real sense in my heart as if, you know, God had placed, you know, his faith in my heart, in my heart. And, you know, I I, I declared that. I shared that. And And then that was 2004. And then... When we returned back again to Jakarta, it was 2007, uh, and you know, I was asking about him and everything, he was completely healed. He completely healed. There was no trace whatsoever of AIDS. And you know, he, he had a good job and he was working and you know, was, was completely healed. So you know, you know, I believe, I know we've been praying a lot um, and, and praying at the end of each service for several weeks now. But I just feel to do so again today and to pray and, and, you know, just look to the Lord. Look to the Lord that he will release healing streams. He will release healing streams. Now, I can't guarantee when it's going to happen, but I, I believe God has spoken. God's spoken prophetically on a number of occasions. I know Pastor Vade had a vision of even people, you know, the streams of living water even flowing out through this building and going down, going down, going down the hill to the valley and then people coming up here, coming up here, uh, you know, from the valley and and cars being all parked and and, and not enough parking space and everything because, and people running to to get into the sanctuary to receive the, you know, miracles and healing of the Lord. And, you know, that's been confirmed in, in, in a number of different prophecies. And so I believe it. I believe it. And healing streams, I believe, are coming. And God wants us to continue to ask, continue to pray and believe God, continue to ask God to increase our faith, that our faith will grow and grow and become stronger and stronger. And those living streams, those healing streams of life will begin to flow like a river. And many, many will be healed. You know, healing too. You know, when people are healed, when miracles begin to happen, you know, that is a real key to seeing many people come to the Lord. And and often when I was in India, I'd ask people, you know, how they, when they got, when I was pastors, you know, how they came to the Lord. And many, many times they told me, it was because of some healing or some miracle or some deliverance. They'd seen the power of God, the manifest power of God, and that was the key in many cases, you know, how they came to the Lord.